Absolutely. Integrity is a non-negotiable thing. You cannot be any kind of a great leader. You cannot be a great, you can't even be a good firefighter. In fact, you shouldn't be, in fact, I don't want you in my fire service if you don't have integrity. That's number one. Always strive to be better, hone your craft, learn, 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 train, train, train. Pick the good firefighters and the great ones and the great company officers to emulate and be like, and never, never forget the fact that it's about your brothers and sisters and it's about your firefighters if you're a boss. Good morning and welcome everybody to The Kitchen Table. In this podcast, we sit down with leaders from across the country to have real and honest conversations around all things leadership. We call it The Kitchen Table because we know some of the best conversations at the firehouse take place at the kitchen table. And the goal with the podcast is to focus that kitchen table energy into talking leadership. And today our guest speaker is a 40 plus year veteran of the fire service. He served as the chief of the Louisville, Texas Fire Department for 12 years. Prior to that, he served as the fire chief in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. He followed in his father's footsteps, beginning his career as a firefighter in the suburbs of the southwest side of Chicago. And while in Illinois, he received the 1996 International Society of Fire Service Instructors Innovator of the Year Award for his part in developing the Saving Our Own program. He served as the co-lead instructor for the hot HOT Firefighter Survival Program at FDIC for over 10 years. He's a long-standing editorial advisory board member for Fire Engineering Magazine and also serves on the FDIC advisory board. Our guest today has written over 200 fire service-related articles. He's the author of the best-selling books, Pride in Ownership, A Firefighter's Love of the Job, and Five Alarm Leadership, From the Firehouse to the Fire Ground, published by Fire Engineering Books. He's the co-host of the podcast, The Command Post, heard on fireengineering.com, as well as the podcast, Old School. Our guest today was also the FDIC keynote speaker in 2001, and he was also the recipient of the Tom Brennan Lifetime Achievement Award in 2017. I'm honored to welcome Fire Chief Rick Lasky on the kitchen table today. Good morning, Chief. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing, brother? I appreciate you read, <laughs> reading all that. Sorry about that. You know, that's that's something the Speakers Bureau puts together, and I send it out, and then once yeah. in a while I go, oh, God, they're, they're really going to read this whole thing. <laughs> If you hear some uh, some radio chatter in the background, um, uh, we're a little short this week by my volunteer fire department, so okay, no uh, I'm just let's make sure we're uh, we're yes. not going to get busy. But no, uh, no, thank you. No, and I got to tell you, um, before we jump into things, I love yeah. I love the whole kitchen table thing. And if you know me, um, and and we've we've talked about this in classes on some of our other shows and stuff with John Salk and I. My greatest experience, I tell people all the time, my greatest experiences in the in the fire service. My learning experiences, mentor, mentorship, everything has been what I received at the kitchen table in the firehouse. Awesome. You know, the, 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 the people, and, and sadly nowadays, and not to, not to get all sideways on this, but, you know, um, you know, when we're a family, we, we break bread together. When we're a family. We have coffee together. We have lunch, dinner, breakfast, or whatever together. That's what, that's where discussions that come up. That's where counseling comes up. That's where a lot of things, that's where you get to read your people, see who's having a, a tough time or, you know, we'll talk about, we can talk about this later, mental health awareness, but we're really not that good at it because we don't pay t- attention to each other at the table. Um, I said this uh, yesterday or last night at, at, at a meeting at my volunteer department. And I said it uh, last week, 
Uh, I was in, had the honor of being with the Mississippi State Fire Chiefs and Firefighters Association, 100th anniversary, and what an incredible, incredible group. I love them dearly. Uh, but I talked about it. You walk into a New York City firehouse kitchen, Chicago, or Louisville, mm-hmm. Texas, and take your cell phone out when you're at the kitchen table, and you'll hear one of two things. You hear, you hear a senior guy or gal go, <clears throat> which means put the damn thing away, or somebody's going to say, put the damn thing away. Yeah. At the kitchen table is when we and put your phones away. That's where we sit, we talk. And uh, so I was just, I didn't want to get all, like I said, sideways on you like that right away. <laughs> no, but that, thank you. A great, great title for what you guys do because that's where it happens, man. That's where it absolutely, I cooked for a long time in the firehouse about a block from Midway Airport on the southwest side of Chicago. And uh, I'm telling you, whether you're cooking, whether you're eating, whether you're drinking coffee or having a glass of tea or just sitting there taking in the information. You know, I, I wish there was a way um, to bottle that up, if you will. We tried to at mm-hmm. FDIC. If you notice, up on the stage, is ever since we bought FDIC in 1996, I've been advisory board since then, there's always a kitchen table up there off to the side, a kitchen setup, because of the importance of that that role in the fire service. So anyway, I, I, Absolutely. I had to say No, no, thank you, you so much, Chief. No, that's awesome, because when we were first, my colleague and I, when we were first, you know, coming up with the name, you know, kitchen table, and uh, I'll get into a little bit of that. But it's funny because when we tell people, you know, follow us on the kitchen table on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it's funny because there's like 20 kitchen tables. There's cooking show, podcasts. It's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> and what, what harder way to find us when you've got a, you know, such a common name. But, but, but the point of it is, it, you mentioned, you know, not wanting to go sideways, but that goes right in line with what we talk about here is, you know, the, the kitchen table is, is where we have conversations, good and bad. And what we want to do is to help as we talk leadership today, as we, continue to have these conversations we want to make sure we have the focus on positivity let's talk good stuff let's talk leadership let's talk mentorship and so we want to kind of rephrase so the kitchen table is more of that positive connotation of you know how do we bring good things together let's have a conversation let's make all things good and not that negativity so so yeah thank you very much so before we get started chief would you mind sharing a little bit about chief rick lasky you know career hobbies retirement you know things that you do your hobbies at writing a book articles you know, before we get going, anything you'd like to share? Well, it's it's funny when people mention retirement because once in a while someone say, "I like being retired." I go, "Well, I'm not. <laughs> I retired from the firehouse." True. You know, me and my buddy John Salkin made a, a big decision several years ago that we wanted to move into consulting and teaching on a more full time basis. And one of the reasons for that, before I even get back to how I got started, was you know I've been doing a lot of duty death investigations since the early '90s and injuries and labor management and mediation and fixing a lot of things. I get calls by a lot of city managers and mayors, and I love fixing things. I love the fire service more than life itself. My family comes first, but I love the fire service. And I've been there where I didn't want to go to work because I was miserable. And I'm like, this is the coolest job in the world. How can I be happy? So if I have an opportunity to go and fix things and get rid of a bad chief or fix a bad public relations thing or whatever, I love that. So that's when John, you know, John and I, we, we teach all over and he looks at me one day, we're, we're in the hotel lobby. He goes, this is the coolest thing in the world. We get to hang with the coolest people. We get to go hang. Look, we do we do classes for all five branches of the Army. We do a lot for the armed forces. We do a lot for law enforcement. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm the geek. I love EMS. I've been a paramedic since 1982. I love it. Um, um, I'm the, the, the weird one in the room because I really love EMS and helping people. Um, and we can talk about that later too. Absolutely. But, um, you know, it, it just you know, sitting there and, and, and hanging out with the coolest people in the world. And he goes, God, would this be cool if we could do this all the time? I say, yeah, what? He goes, let's do it. I went, what? 
He goes, yeah. I go, what? He goes, well, look, we're coming up on like, you know, 33 years and all that, 34. Why don't we just, you know, we can retire. So the only people that knew that we were going to make this move were our wives. And this was, so come November, we we're going to announce it in January and uh, that we were moving into consulting and teaching full-time. And that November, we had 11 second alarms or greater in Louisville. Wow. And and I went, I had four fires in 24 hours. I called him and, and he goes, because you had four. I go, yeah. I go, I, I can't do this. He goes, neither can I. Just second alarm in the Bronx. I go, this sucks. I can't. So we kept delaying it and delaying it. And delaying. finally, we just said, you know what? We need we need to, you know, it was time we could talk later again about the, the Cubby Officer Academy. So yeah, that was our dream was to do that. Now, you know, I started, as you said, in my bio, uh, I've been going to fires I think since I was in diapers with my, my dad, my dad was a firefighter and uh, I got to draft off his passion for the job, his love for the job, watching him, watching my dad fight fires, you know, being able to go to the firehouse when I'm little. And I was the one that could, I could slip into the wheel wells and wipe down inside where the tires were, they couldn't reach because I was so little and um, oh, that's awesome. uh, just falling in love with it. So did that all through, you know, my, you know, high school, I was a police and fire explorer um, uh, I made a very poor decision when I was 18 years old, instead of, uh, taking a, a full ride scholarship to go play baseball for university of Missouri as a catcher, I went and played for the Chicago white Sox, And, um, mm -hmm. I should have taken the college first. Cause I was always playing catch up after that, but, um, you know, part-time a volunteer firefighter and paramedic. And, um, you know, I was in Illinois, you gotta be 21 to be a career firefighter police mm -hmm. officer. So, um, you know, I'm waiting to test and I'm, then I'm on a bunch of lists and I'm turned 21. They hired me as a cop first. Oh, and I was, so I was part-time volunteer firefighter paramedic. I was full-time cop. And I always tell people I sucked at being a cop because I got shot, stabbed and burned my first year as a cop. So oh, my FTO said, Lasky, you suck. But, um, uh, but I'm very partial to law enforcement, very partial to dispatch. My wife uh, works for the sheriff's office here. Okay. Um, but then uh, that was it off and running, uh, Firefighter, paramedic, um, you know, I'm a volunteer. Again, I, I, I'm blessed to work with a great group of volunteers, a great chief, Chief Ryan Fetzer with the Wichita West Volunteer Fire Department. I'm, I always joke they, they drug me kicking and screaming uh, to, to be their lieutenant and a training officer. Um, <laughs> awesome. So I love it. I'm, I'm doing that. And the cool part is, is being able to bring brand new firefighters to their first pin in accident or, you know, awesome, yeah. uh, first, you know, first structural fire and things like that. But, uh, wow. uh, that's it, you know, yeah. um, started working for fire engineering, 1995 as a tutorial advisor, 96 when they bought FDIC and advisory board. And, um, you know, we could talk written mayday stuff later, but, um, that's Ooh. it. Love Still loving it. I, I, I don't have any anticipation of, um, yeah. slowing it down anytime soon. So there oh, you go. That's, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing to you. No, I appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> You, you obviously, I've read, I've read some of your books. I read Pride and Ownership. I read Five Alarm Leadership. Um, I mean, you've got articles everywhere. So, you know, I'll read an article. So, oh, yeah, Chief Lasky wrote that. And what, so if I may ask, I mean, not everyone's into writing books. I asked the same question to, to, to uh, Chief Fiscuso as well. What got you into wanting to write and publish books? Like, obviously, you know, becoming, you know, a firefighter at a young age, I would assume, and maybe I'm wrong, writing books was probably not what, what you aspired to do, but obviously you got into it. Was it something that you just, your inner drive or did someone say, hey, you got to write books, Chief? What got you into writing books? Um, I did want to. Um, in fact, I refused to for a long time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, it, you know, I started writing for fire engineering, oh, excuse me, um, in 1995. And uh, I had received the, you know, that that 
you know, year, it said 96, but uh, the Innovative Year Award from the instructors for creating the Saving Rome program. Um, and uh, again, you know, some stuff we'll touch on later. And that at the same FDIC conference, uh, Bill Manning, who was the editor-in-chief of Fire Engineering at the time, uh, and Harvey Eisner, who is my good friend, also uh, editor-in-chief of Firehouse, the same day asked me both to write for him. And uh, I talked to one of my bosses at the University of Illinois Fire Service Institute. I said, hey, they want me to start writing. You know, what do you think? And they said, hey, they're both great because I love Harvey. God, God bless him. I love Harvey. I miss him. But um, they said, you know, we're doing some work with fire engineering. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll go with them. So I started writing with them. Um but I never had any ambition. And, 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 you know, when I, I was gonna, I was gonna do a book on the safety and survival program of saving our own. And I did the pride ownership keynote, which was all on accident. That was an accidental thing. There was, there is no, I have 360 something programs and that's the only one that I never sat down to write. That was an accident. That was just a, a, a rant of mine on people who don't love the job. Um, so I did that and and we hit a good court, a lot of people and they started asking, you got to do a book. You got to do a book. I said, I don't want to do a book. So Diane Rothschild from Fire Engineering, my boss, who I love dearly, uh, Diane says, well, let's do an article series. So I did a, a 12 part, you know, you know, 12 month, 12 part article series on, on, on uh, uh, pride and ownership. And when I was done, Jerry Nalis, um, firefighter from New Jersey, took over book uh, the books for, for Fire Engineering or for Penwell at the time. And I'm a Mason. He's a Mason. We both belong to our Masonic temples. And he called me and pulled the brother brotherhood card on me and said, you're going to do a book on pride and ownership. I said, I don't want to do a book. He goes, yeah, yeah, brother. So he pulled the brother card and that was it. I, I really didn't have any, that wasn't wow. going to write a book. I really didn't want to. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I did. I'm very glad I did. But at the time I was like, I was into writing articles, but I was into teaching hands on and getting out there and, you know, yeah. so. Wow, kind so of, kind of an accident, if you will. Well, absolutely. I mean, think a lot of things in you know in the fire service kind of happen, uh, not necessarily by accident, but you know, someone that encouraged you to do that. I don't want to do that, and before you know it, five years later, you're like, I'm so glad I did that. Oh, and, um, the, and the book's still they're they're reprinting right now. I think number forty seven. I forget what it is. It's the it's still the bestseller, yeah, uh, that they've ever had, and I love that. And I wrote a timeless. There's not going to be a part two or second edition because. It was written to just carry over, over, over to every rookie, every probie, and yeah. just keep working its way. We've got some other books we're doing, but yeah. um, awesome. uh, so that yeah, that all and that and that all was born out of a keynote speech wow. that was I was asked to do, kind of ordered to do by my bosses at, at Fire Engineering at FDIC mm -hmm. on a topic that wasn't a topic it was just me bitching about people who don't love the job. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, you know, all those weird, all those weird beginnings for that stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna ask a quick question on that. So I've heard you mention a couple of times, uh, kind of your boss asked you to do this. You didn't want to do it. Your boss, yeah, that's not something I wanted to do. But then you ended up doing it, and you're obviously probably very thankful for for kind of just being pushed out there to say, you know. I didn't want to do it, but but then I did it, and I, I'm so thankful for it. So as far as talking to some of our listeners today, what would you say to some of them as far as, you know, when a boss comes up to them and says, hey, would you mind taking on this project? Would you mind stepping out of your comfort zone to do this, to maybe embrace it? Uh, because you you don't know what you'll get out on the other end. I mean, could you talk a little bit on just putting yourself out there a little bit and just taking on something new, even if it's something you never thought yourself wanting to do? Well, there, there's two ways that that happens. There's the, the first way, and I'll get this one out of the way, right away uh our lazy bosses that just don't want to do work 
lazy supervisors and they just they just pawn it off on everybody because they're just they, they want to sit in their office and watch the golf channel <laughs> and uh, do nothing and they're always giving everybody else stuff to do um <clears throat> so that's done we don't need to talk about them people you know about them um the other ones are the good the great leaders the great bosses that know how to stimulate motivate their people i was blessed i brag on my mentors all the time i would be no where if it wasn't for the mentors and everybody is somewhere because of people lives i would be nowhere if it wasn't for chief jack mccasson chief eddie enright chief tom freeman chief tommy shabino chief ray hoff the people in my life and the list goes on and on my best friend john salka on and on and on the people that have had chief ray downey i go on that that changed molded stomped on me when i needed it um encouraged me so the great leaders know how to motivate their people. I talk about you know motivation. They talk about mentoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about empowerment, but they really don't know what it what, what those terms mean. Um, but the good bosses, and I was always that way. I was a big one on on um, uh, area assignments. So example, um, uh, Chief Johnny Ashman, the train chief in Louisville, Texas. Louisville's a couple of thousand people, nice sized city, north of Dallas. Had the honor of serving his twelve years with with some of the greatest firefighters in the country. John Boy, as we call him, just passed away the other day. They just had his funeral. And uh, when I got there, John was the driver engineer. We promoted the captain. He, he, This is one example. I, I, I put him in charge of all apparatus. <clears throat> and then that apparatus and tools and, and and spec. He The guy should have been working for Pierce all these years. He was so good. Um, I've never in my life ordered a fire engine or spec one. Mm-hmm. I spent millions. Louisville keeps their engines and their tower ladders for 10 years. Ambulance is five, Chiefs cars for six years, and they get rid of them. So he, he's that guy, we, I just said, he spent millions upon millions upon millions. And I, I'm like, John, just make sure you have these kind of lights going this way and that. But the biggest thing was talk to the guys. And empowerment was a big thing for me. Uh, Gary Apple retires a captain, one of my favorite firefighters in the world. Um, I gave Gary ladders. I said, Gary, here's the whole ladder budget. Here's the whole ladder budget. Here's here's everything. You're doing testing. You're doing purchases. You're doing repairs. I gave Seth, Seth Taylor is another great guy, Captain, does the all sauce class, which is like one of the best. It, it is the best in the country. Put Seth in charge of all small motors, in charge of all saws, everything. And, and, and now you look and see where, where some of these talented firefighters have taken their careers. So, you know, what I tell young firefighters, number one, you should you should be sitting around. You shouldn't have to be asked to do anything. If you're a new, if you're a probe or a rookie, you should have a towel hanging out of your pocket. Um, I just had this talk with one of our young firefighters. We got a great, energetic young firefighter. However, I don't think anybody's had that talk with him yet. A couple of guys w- were being his buddy, which is a good thing, but not a good thing because buddies are buddies and mentors are mentors, mm-hmm. and there's a difference. And um, uh, you know, we we talked. I said, you know. Uh, the inside of the cabin is ladder truck is is dirty as shit, dusty. Uh, this is what I mean. If you've got young firefighters in your firehouse, everything should be clean. They should be walking around. They should be they should be cleaning, painting tools, retaping tools, doing stuff, training, reading, doing things. Those are the people I want to work with. So sometimes good bosses know how to appeal to certain people. They know obviously mm-hmm. to go to the ones. <clears throat> excuse me that are into the job because you can go to and you can go to Gary Apple say Gary I need and he'll just go whatever you need boss mm-hmm. then once in a while you got to find someone that you need to stimulate somebody you need to blast out a recliner someone that may not even be happy with the assignment you're giving them but good bosses and good leaders kind of like parenting 
you know, leadership and parenting are the same thing. Um, good parents know how to motivate their children. And at the risk of being, I hate you, mom. I hate you, dad. Mm-hmm. Same as I hate you, lieutenant. I hate you, captain. Yeah. You know, calling your booger heads in the firehouse because you made them go do something. You know, um, the good, solid mentors know how to motivate their people. And as a young firefighter or as an older firefighter, you get asked to do something, you jump on it number one, you do it because that's what we do. We take, we follow orders and we complete them. Number two, you know, if, if to the guys and gals out there, my daughter once in a while goes through this at Lockheed March. She's a great job. She has great bosses, but she goes, they, they keep giving me more and more to, to do. And I'm like, honey, that's a good thing. That That's a good thing. You know, that, that, that is a good thing. You, you know, let them, they they go to the good ones and they ride them hard. I remember the the command master chief in the Navy saying about my son. I did a talk at Twenty Nine Palms, and he t- spoke before me. And then we were at the command officers mess having lunch, and he was talking about you know there's four desks in my 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 son's work area, and three of them are empty except for his. He goes that's because he does all four of those jobs. He goes we ride the good ones hard, mm-hmm. and my son used to go God they're giving me so much to do, and I'm like there's another point. Great bosses. They know that. So if, if you're getting overloaded at work a little bit, I know sometimes you feel a little burnout in that, but nine times out of 10, that's because a great boss, a great leader trusts you, knows you can, knows you can come, knows you can finish. That's the big thing that you can mm-hmm. finish, that they'll get results. And then once in a while, they need to motivate some other people. But I would say embrace it. Like I said at the beginning, once in a while, you get that 1% of that bad boss is just dumping work on you. Mm-hmm. But I was always like, you know, I'm a big one. If I make my boss look good, I look good. Now I mean, my being a kiss ass. Mm-hmm. But you know, you ask me to do a project, I'm on it. If I can do it, I'm, I'm on it, or I'll find a way. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, my I call them go-to guys. Yeah, I've written about them in both books or in classes. The go-to guys are the men and women that you go to with any project, not just the fun one, any project, even the shitty project, mm-hmm. and they will jump all over because they're not into it for ego. And the only glory they're into too is a self-satisfaction that they're making a difference. Yeah. So embrace it. You know, we need more firefighters that are willing to jump up and do more stuff. Um, don't question why you're being asked to do something. You know what? If you want to make it easier on yourself, take it as a compliment, go finish it, do well, and then smile. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I heard this on, on your guys' podcast here and, and uh, yours and Chief Software's podcast. It must have been a week or two ago. You talked about, about the uh, initiative is about doing things that are less desirable, right? I mean, anyone could do things. Oh, that's fun. Let's, let's all go do it. It's not about, it's about doing the things that no one else might not want to do. And I, it's an, it's interesting you say that about mentorship and we'll spend some more time there because you're totally right about being the mentor, being a mentor, but, you know, having your own mentors that will kind of guide you along the way. I've certainly had my mentors along the way and my colleague uh, who isn't here today on this podcast is certainly one of my greatest advocates and one of my mentors and the reason why this podcast even exists and why I'm at where I'm at, but uh, it's easy to motivate someone that's already a go-getter, right? right. That, that that's not the that's it's it's a leadership in my eyes, I guess, is about how do we motivate those that aren't the go-getters per se. You know, it's our job to kind of inspire people to take action, and because not everyone, and I joke about this, is we don't all company officers, we don't all get the luxury of having the most motivated go-getter, you know, valedictorian of the recruit class. We don't get the luxury of having those on our crews every day. We might have the other individual that might be not as, but so be it, right? It's like athletes on a college, you know, on a college or professional football team. It's like not everyone is a first round draft pick, 
We also have to mentor and help those that are third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round draft picks. And we have to mentor and we have to bring those people up because those, you know, at the end of the day can be just as excellent, but it's dependent on the leadership as well. So mentorship, I have a question on that. So you just talked a lot about mentorship and did, did your fire departments have formal mentorship programs? Like what was, I'm always trying to find out what's out there, how those were implemented, how successful are they? Is there, was there some formal curriculum where, your newer firefighters had to have mentors to help develop them or what did you guys actually have? yes there's a couple things one is and I'll, I'll mention chief scott thompson's name later on when you ask me a question uh scott was my train chief for 10 years uh he's one of my partners on our hump day hangout for fire engineering the third wednesday of every month uh taught for me for probably 10 years at fdi in a hands-on program uh he's the author of the book the functional fire company and a bunch of other great stuff scott's a great leader um Scott actually has a whole Facebook, Twitter page about mentoring, and it's all free. It's all about being the mentor. Um, yes, Louisville, Texas has a mentoring program, and it started when I was there. We had a lot of senior members retiring. We had a lot of guys with 35 mm -hmm. years, 32 years, and 30 years retiring. And I've said this for a long time. It's like they're running out the door of the firehouse with, with a bag of gold coins, they're running out with all that experience, all those stories, all those tales, all those tricks of the trade, all those how to keep firefighters alive and healthy and safe. And we're letting them run out with our history and all that. So we came up with a five uh, question. It was started, this whole program started with the mentor questionnaire. I send it out weekly. Um, the mentor questionnaire was given to everybody at first with more than 10 years on the job. And then from that point, if you announced, hey, I'm retiring in six months, three months, this year, whatever, tr the training division would send you this form and say, hey, when you have a chance, please try to answer these questions for us. So <clears throat> you fill it out, your name, you know, all that we we have all your information. And like one of the questions is um, uh, uh, we have a, a busy lake operations, busy water. You know, Lake Lewis was a busy lake, a uh, bunch of fatalities. Every year. They have 56 divers in Lewis, so two big boats. That's that's their specialty. Nobody, and I mean nobody, dives in black water like those guys do. They're phenomenal. Um, so we like, you know, what little quirks and, 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 and bits of advice do you have about our, you know, water rescue program uh, that would help a young firefighter, blah, blah, blah. Another one is what 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 little uh, quirks and things about some of our apparatus. Um, what's, what's, you know, what's the one building you would never want to fight a fire in and why? Um, one of the last questions was out of five was, um, what advice would you give to a new Louisville firefighter to keep him or her safe and healthy their, their entire career? And so out of the five questions, you know, you fill them out, then the train division, their staff, they take them and they, they pick each one, pluck them out and they put them in the mentor book. Hmm. And so what you'll see is like, I mentioned Gary Apple, you know, um, you know, what advice you give about our tools and stuff like that. I remember Gary writing in there. Um, his, his, his thing was a big paragraph about taking care of your tools, wrapping your tools, you know, guys with dirty tools don't do a good job. Guys that take care of their tools, take care of their rigs, take care of their stuff. And he went through, it was an incredible little, it should have been part of an article. And then it says, Captain Gary Apple, data and fire service at the bottom. And then over the years, when everybody, when anybody fills these out, it just, they just keep getting added. Wow. So under each one of those five questions, you have all these responses, so the rookies, the new guys and gals, when they get hired, they're actually tested on that material. Well, yeah. that grew into the mentor book, into 
you know, there's pages in there on, we have something called positional line of sight mentoring. So everybody's trained to the next position. So a young firefighter, once they get settled in, and the majority of the firefighters there, they're, they're already certified. So they're already certified firefighter paramedics. So they're coming from other departments. So, you know, I've, I've got like, I just finished probation. What do I have to do to get cleared to act up as a driver engineer? Well, here it is. Here's, here's all the references for the written test. Here's your progressive pumping evolution. Here's your driving course, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Every driver is trained to be a, a company officer. Every company officer is trained to be a chief and so on and so forth. So that whole process is in there. The promotional processes are in there. And they're all, all these little things that the leadership of the firefighters say, this is what I want the new guys and gals coming on to know. And it's all stuck in that book. And it's, and it's not just a bunch of pages hanging out. It's in fact, um, if you get a hold of, um, uh, and I'll just say this, they can play this back over, uh, Assistant Chief Terry McGrath. Uh, Terry's my good, good, one of my best friends, my co-host on the Hump Day Hangout. I promoted Terry to, uh, we stole him from Dallas PD. He was a Dallas cop, and we stole him. He's a firefighter paramedic, and I promoted him up to Division Chief of Obama and Arson, then Assistant Chief, one of the two big uh, chiefs. Um, Terry's awesome. So if your listeners will reach out to Terry McGrath, at T. McGrath, and that's M-C-G-R-A-T-H, T. McGrath at City of Louisville, Louisville's L-E-W-I-S-Ville.com. Uh, Terry will get you hooked up with training, or he'll send you a link or send you, and they send out the, a lot of times they send the, the whole, all the, like, here's the book cover page, and here's the table wow. of contents, and so on and so forth. They share, like, most departments all the time. So, yes, horrible mentoring program, big wow. into mentoring, assigning a lot of times a senior firefighter to a rookie, John Copeland, one of our 35-year guys, a Marine, and, a, and an incredible, I love Cope. Um, I asked Cope once, why is mentoring, why why, why is being a senior firefighter such a big deal to you? And I, you love, you'll love this response. He said, Chief, because I want to have a say in the future of my fire department. He didn't say because it makes me feel better, and I feel like I'm helping these young kids come on like an egotistical maniac. He said, I want to have a say in the future of my fire department. So mentoring is, is every one of us, like I said, has been somewhere because someone has stepped, whether it's a parent, mm -hmm. an uncle, an aunt, a grandma, grandpa, or somebody at work has made a difference. But in the fire service, we kill firefighters when we don't mentor, we don't share, share information. I, oh, I love it. I Wow. Uh, sounds like to me, it's, it's more or less, and it has a negative connotation. It's not meant to be that, but forced leadership, forced mentorship. I mean, it's just ingrained in the culture. Well, talking about... And, and, and real quick, like I said, you you can recommend to your to your to your listeners, uh, reach out to Chief Scott Thompson from the Colony, that the, that's a town, the Colony, Texas, right next to Louisville, and Scott will send. Here's the link to the Facebook page. Wow. They do a really cool thing with with the mentor, and uh, it's free. There's nobody charging money for this stuff. You know. Well, what, well, what you'll have to do first, Chief, is uh, you'll have to give. Uh... Chief McGrath and Chief Thompson, a heads up because after this episode gets published, their their email inbox is going. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna. <laughs> Terry so. always knows what I'm teaching <laughs> because he goes, "Yeah, I know. I got about 50 emails from guys going, can we get a copy?' Because everybody's always reaching out to him for their yeah. SOPs and SOGs and stuff." So, oh yeah. no, and that, that's amazing. And that's uh, well, thank you, Chief. That's that's gonna be awesome. Uh, uh, you used the terminology a second ago. Not that the terminology necessarily matters, but you said that everyone is trained to the next position, and you used the term. What term was that? Uh, positional line of sight mentoring. Positional yeah. line of sight mentoring. Is that what it is? Yeah, positional, okay. your position, yeah. line of sight mentoring, yeah. meaning 
I'm a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a firefighter. I'm looking to be a driver one day. Yeah. I'm a driver. I'm looking to be a, a company officer one day. So I love that concept. And so I think, I think that- Chief Thompson officially came up with that one when he was the training chief there because yeah. he was intimately involved in that program as well. Now, is that now and you mentioned everyone's trained in the exhibition. Now, are we talking literally everybody like or just, well, you know, aspiring individuals? No, for the most part. Now, you know, things may have changed as I left. Uh, Mark McNeil is a great boss, great chief there. So I'm sure he's, he's he, I know he's doing great things. Uh, I've seen it. Um, but that was my thing was it's called other duties as a sign, you know. Yeah. Now we, yeah. May, we may not we may not use you, but you're going to be trained. And, and yeah. here's one of the things I saw happen. So let's say um, let's say the battalion chief's making his rounds and he's in the station and uh, the, he, talking with the captain. The captain says, hey, I, I think Shane's ready to start acting up as a uh, as a driver. You, you know, he used to drive over at, you know. Bone Gap, uh, Texas, and East Mudflap, Texas, and all these different places. But, you know, I've had him out driving. He's doing great. And the potential is, he ready? Yeah, I think I'm ready, Chief. So he sends an email, the paper trail, to the training chief. Training chief stops by and says, you ready? Okay, when do you want to take your written? So they have a test generator. The same books that are used in the written exam for the actual promotional exam, are the, the tests are generated from the same material. Different tests for the yeah, promotional process, but same why make them read different shit? So anyway. Right. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, you sit down, you take that exam, you get an 80 to pass it, 80 or better. Once you pass it, then you go out to the, we have a huge training facility to put $35 million into it now, a joint venture with the Highland Village of Flower Mound, Texas. Um, anyway, you go out there and you do the uh, the driving course. Now, NAP, NAPD said passing was an 80, which means you ran over like 55 cones, which was like three children, two people in a wheelchair, but... 80 was passing. Okay. So you had to get 80 to pass that. Once you pass that, you went over to the other side, you did a progressive pumping evolution. You pull up, you set the parking brake and the guys charge you. They pull across. They have to charge with tank water. Then you have to make your hydrant before you run out of water. And then as soon as, as soon as you make your hydrant, they already have a two and a half stretch. You have to charge two and a half while you have the inch three quarter charge. Then somebody gets up. So you have to do it three quarter, two and a half, a deck gun, all the different flows and pressures, gate and everything. And they're firing off questions to you. What would you do if this happened? What would you do if this mm-hmm. happened? What, in fact, Chief John Ashman who just passed was instrumental in writing that program for me. You got to pass that with an 80. And then once you pass all those, the assistant chief operations looks at your performance evaluations and goes, yep, everything's good. And he signs off. And now you're you're able to act out of class and bump up as a driver. Mm-hmm. And we, But we also have a paper trail showing you've been trained those levels. Yeah. What you see happen, interesting enough, our guys that said, I don't want to, I just want to be a firefighter. I don't want to be a driver. Yeah. You know, I might as well take the regular promotion. I passed everything. It's just a different written. Yeah. Why not? So we start seeing the scores in a promotional exam. All of a sudden, yeah, and we're, yeah. And we're just, we were deciding on, on percentiles, you know, just yeah. like little point this, point that, because everybody was dialed in. So, and then, so that's the same thing now, you know, now, now what I said, sometimes we may not use them. Same thing for, if you give me a second here, I'll finish this part up. Um, like for like captain. Yeah. So same thing. Hey, I think Shane's ready to start active as a captain. Really? Okay. Blah, blah, blah. You ready? Takes his written 80. Then he does a tactical assessment and that's usually front seat, you know, single company. You'd made the scene operations as a captain. Um, then you uh, do it, your in baskets, which are all station stuff problems. Uh, uh, SOP, SOG exam, and then you get 80s on all that. Assistant chief sits down again, looks evals, boom, signs you off. Now, we may not 
you may not be our top choice to act up as a captain because maybe might be a little immature or whatever, but you're going to be trained to that level. Yeah. Same thing, cabs are trained to battalion chiefs. The only difference is the in baskets are more shiftly instead of just station stuff. The tactical assessments, more extra alarm, maybe multifamily dwelling, warehouse, whatever. And then you have to do three to five shifts riding out with the battalion chief and his aide. And there's a captain who drives the battalion chief in Louisville. So the captain's a chief say, so there's two bosses in a buggy. But you'll go in there and you'll start in the back seat. Then you end up driving to BC. Then you end up, you know, oh, switching seats. Yeah. And it keeps working out through the division chiefs um, and so on and so forth. Again, we may not use you as an acting battalion chief, but, you know, if you want to see people develop, sometimes you have to utch them. Sometimes yes. people need to be, you know, it's like teaching a kid how to dive. Yeah. Sometimes you got to push them in the water. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Know. Uh, to get to do something you know oh i love it i mean I, I, we, we talked about just it's again not negative but forced mentorship it's like it's like it, it's some of these individuals and i you know would be one of those individuals as well sometimes if we're just pushed into that area yeah like, i was one of those guys as well you know i don't want to i don't want you to be a company officer yet you know i'll just drive and be a firefighter for a while i don't want i don't want to promote and then you start to work on these things and then before you know it, you're like wow this is what i want to do because sometimes you don't recognize this is until you're kind of in that seat until you're you don't give yourself a chance exactly you, we, yeah. we stay comfortable and uh and uh and and we you exactly we don't give ourselves a chance so i'm gonna i said the word comfortable which we talk about this a lot and i'll just you know just run with that because it's already out there so being comfortable we know firefighters like to be comfortable because the job you know it's a great job it's a great career and some of us can just be complacent sometimes not not necessarily on purpose but being comfortable is a good place to be in terms of you know we like what we do and we're good at it. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, Chief Lasky didn't necessarily stay comfortable his whole career, right? You probably put yourself out there. In fact, you were probably forced in many spots where you were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Can you talk a little bit uh, to our listeners today about being uncomfortable is okay and here is why? Well, absolutely. And, and one of the stories I tell, as soon as you said that, I I, I, I had an idea, uh, memory pop into my head, you know, I said before, I love EMS. I'm an EMS geek. Yes, I do. I will go to EMS AA. I know. Well. Say, my name is Rick Lasky and I love EMS. So you can beat me up all you want. You know what? I love taking care of people. There you go. The other thing is, yeah. I'm a big hazmat geek. Besides teaching tactics and strategy, like when I review articles, fire engineering, uh, leadership, Mayday, RIT, um, uh, you know, truck stuff, uh, incident command, stuff like that. But I'm a big hazmat geek. And I, and I, I ended up getting into that because. As a young firefighter in the 80s, which I know was a long time ago, I got tired of being embarrassed going to hazmat calls and looking like a dumbass because I didn't know what I was doing. And it was very uncomfortable because I was a jock in school. In high school, I never took chemistry. I never took – and if I did those classes, I always snuck out. I got out of doing stuff because I was on the you know playing football and baseball, you know. I was a dumbass. Let me just say that because instead of taking extra, I had to pay for it later going through college. When you have your, your daughter in seventh grade helping you with your college math, you're a dumbass. But anyway, um, I didn't focus in the right topics. Um, so hazmat always scared me because I'm like, I didn't understand it. So I started going to all the classes I could. And long story short, I ended up teaching hazmat awareness, first responder, tech A, tech B, Chemistry has materials for firefighters breaking down the carpet. I was here. I was, you know, you talk about being uncomfortable. Um, Eddie Spotowski, uh, we were probies together. We rode the jump seats together behind Bill Allen, <clears throat> one of my favorite lieutenants in the whole world. I talk about him all the time. 
Uh, there's a highway named after Eddie up in Comstock Township, M Michigan. Uh, Eddie, when he retired, where he was at, it took a chief's job at Comstock. And so years back, he was out on a highway 11, about 11 o'clock at night at an MVA. His rigs were blocked and his, his SUV was in the front. He was putting his turnout gear in the back of his SUV and a, a drunk, about 92 miles an hour, drove around. Everybody was blocking and hit him, blew his body up and killed him. And he was killed on duty. And um, uh, they, they named the highway after him. <clears throat> I remember Eddie, in fact, the, the night Eddie was killed, Billy Goldfeder called me. I was getting ready to do the keynote for the iChiefs Hazmat Conference in Baltimore. And I knew it was bad when he called me at 1.30 in the morning. And I, I had a slide in my presentation with Eddie's picture. And I, I, before there, before Eddie was taken from us, I I was talking about, because Eddie called me once, because, hey, I signed this up for a class at, at the Fire Service Institute in Illinois, U of I, it's it's called the it's called chemistry of hazardous materials for firefighters. I said, Eddie, I can't spell the word chemistry. He goes, No, no, it says for the firefighter with a little no experience in chem. I go, and now it's like that's me, the no, the no part. He goes, No, no, it's <laughs> it was the worst 80 hours of my life. I had no idea. I was stressing. I was, I was, I mean, you know, we would all day in the classroom and then we'd sit at poolside in the inside of the hotel and we would have to do study groups because I had, I was, I was extremely uncomfortable being mm -hmm. pushed into that position whereby now I get to brag on I'm a hazmat geek because I was put into, you know, I think sometimes we need to utch our people into doing things that are uncomfortable mm -hmm. in order to further your career and your confidence, your self-esteem. Um, there's a lot of smart people, firefighters, the most progressive people I know, but good bosses, good leaders, same thing, boss and leader. They need to, there, I know there's memes out there. We talk about that shit, but anyway, <laughs> I've worked for great bosses and horrible bosses. I worked for so-called leaders that couldn't find a word leader with two hands, a flashlight and a CNI dog, but <laughs> the good ones know how to motivate their people and they know how to push you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And I think that's truly the only way you get better and better is by constantly challenging yourself. Yeah. If I, if I, if I, if I could real quick. Absolutely. So in pride and ownership, when I was coaching my daughter's softball team in high school, uh, one of the girls came up and said, you know, chief, my dad, we said these little leadership talks, five minute talks. And she said, my mommy said that pride's a bad thing. I said, your mommy's right when pride's fast and arrogance, but when pride's fast and ownership, it's a great thing. Like this is, these are your sisters. This is our home. This is your school. This is my, my, I love the word my, so I painted a definition I've been using. Somebody else wrote it years ago. I painted it on the locker room, and I use it, Pride and Ownership, for the past two years. It talks about what is pride. And it, it starts off by saying you can't explain from the inside, you know, uh, looking out, the outside looking in. Pride is a personal commitment. And I always tell people, I said, there are no such thing as proud teams. Mm -hmm. There are proud individuals, proud individuals that make up excellent teams. It's what separates excellence from mediocrity. But the big point of the, the mm -hmm. definition is, Pride is not about, it's not about competing with others. The competition you have is with yourself. There will always be a, a nicer firehouse, a shinier fire engine. The bar we raise, when you see people say, we're always raising a bar here, you know, for East, you know, east Side or whatever, <clears throat> or raising the bar. You're not raising the bar for anybody else. You're raising the bar, bar for yourself. yourself. Yeah. What do you have to do to be better? What do you have to do to challenge yourself? to put yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone or jump into the deep end of the pool and let the chips fall. They may, you know what? You may fail mm -hmm. as long as you learn from it. That's, you know, failure clears the path for success. That's an Abraham Lincoln story. Yeah. Uh, you talk about a guy who failed all the time, but where he ended up going, 
Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and again, we, we sit there and say, well, we want to be better than them. Well, you'll, yeah, you'll be, but then they're going to be better than you. No, we need to be the best we can. The, the bar we raise is for ourselves. For no ourselves. One else. Absolutely. And I, lo- I love what you said with that. It's like the only true failure in life is not learning from it. I, I love that piece with hazmat because I was never a hazmat person as well. And I went through hazmat training what, four years ago. Never a hazmat person, hated chemistry, hated all that. I was put in the 40 hour, I think ours was a 40 hour. And you actually learn so much from it. In, in fact, you you know, you almost, I don't teach classes on hazmat, but you almost could be a better advocate to others. <laughs> you could teach others and things. But anyways, it's funny you mentioned that because I love EMS as well. I've, I've always joked, and I, a lot of our analogies that we talk about here on this podcast is, hey, we go back to sports. And I always joke, for those that don't like sports, you know, good luck listening to this podcast because we talk a lot about you know, sports, but is it EMS up here in the Pacific Northwest here in Seattle, in the Seattle area, you know, 70% of what we do is EMS. And I know that's, that's, you know, a, a common percentage, you know, around the country as well. And it's like, usually why not? Higher. Yeah. Usually higher 70, 80%, yeah. but why not be really, really, really good at what you do majority of the time, instead of being really, really, really good on what you do 1% of the time. And again, the analogy I use with, with sports, it's like, you know, you get a professional sports team, 80% of the practice working on the fundamentals. They're not spending 80% of their time with, you know, onside kicks and Hail Mary throws, you know, to the end zone, right? They're well and, and real quick, bunting. Yeah. All, yeah. all the years, all the years since my daughter was seven, she played high level softball, number one catcher in Texas when she was a senior, Texas 5A state champion, D1 college softball player. Bunting, 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 and T work. It wasn't an advantage. It was T work. You see them all off on the side, hitting off the T, hitting off the T, hitting off the fundamental. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you said that because that's what it's about, man. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys carry Halligans and about two-thirds of them don't know how to use them. Yeah, got to carry them. They carry them. They look cool with them. They look, look cool. Before. But they look – sometimes you ask them, they go, what? I go, give me about 20 uses for that tool. What? Yeah. You know? One. We always talk as well on this podcast, Chief, about – you know, we've talked uh, – you know, we talked hazmat. We've talked about the, the hard skills of the job. But what I, where I want to go with this right now is I've heard you mention this in your Pride and Ownership book. I've heard you and uh, Chief Salka uh, and your podcast talk a lot about people size up. Chief Viscuso talked about this as well. He, he talks about there's fire ground fires and then there's people fires in the firehouse. And I want to talk about this because, you know, a lot of the problems that occur in the fire stations in the firehouse is literally interactions between firefighters. Can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of people skills interacting in the firehouse and people size up? And, and I, I I mentioned that a lot. And, and one of the things I wrote about in Pride and Ownership is we need to read people like read smoke. And I'll say this, as much as I love the fire service, we suck at a couple things. We're horrible, god-awful at search and rescue. I'm just going to say it. We, we we are horrible. At, the most important thing you do as a company officer is train your firefighters how to how to stay oriented in a zero visibility, reduced visibility room while you're searching. All right, But we suck at it. And you think about when's the last time you've done a search drill before that, a search drill, a search drill, and a room orientation drill. Enough said. What we really suck is at reading people. And <clears throat> when I say you need to read people, read smoke, we talk about, so what do you do? Well, primarily I'm into size up. I'm into tactics or strategy. You know what? No, we suck at size up because we pull the wrong lines on fires. We fight commercial buildings with residential tactics. We don't read the smoke. We don't read the fire. I do a program called Failure Read a Building and the Fire Properly. And, and and what I tell people, if you want to generalize, you know, uh, how how we how we fail on the fire ground, and not even with line of duty, that's how we just fail. It's on our inability to properly read the fire and the smoke. The smoke and the fire is telling you everything. It's telling you, it's telling you what's burning, how it's burning, what's going to be burning next, how fast it's burning, so on and so forth. 
And people miss this stuff all the time. Then it, it horribly sometimes leads to line of duty death uh, and stuff. Um, you know, we could talk about my, my friend Bill Carey and his Data Not Drama website, which is awesome because he breaks down. I, I love that saying that he came up with years ago. He'll probably tell you he did, but he did. Um, because I love dealing data. I don't want to deal in your personal feelings and your butthurt feelings and all that stuff. I want to deal in facts. Um you know, as some guys are arguing against physics or they're arguing against 12,000 maydays that Don Abbott did. But at the same time, you know, um, when, it, when it comes to, to, to some of this other stuff, if we're not willing to look for other ways to do things, we're going to keep falling down. You know, we're going to keep. So that whole thing, not we want to paint the fire service with one broad brush. You can't do that. You can dress them all the same in the academy. You can stand them all over each other. They can all salute and look the same. But each and every person that works with you or for you or around you has something going on in their life. Mm -hmm. Everybody's living, you know, at one time I've lived paycheck to paycheck. If they got kids, they have they have children challenges. They have parental challenges you know, for themselves. They have parents that might be sick. They might be going through a personal health issue. They might be, someone might just need a buddy to talk to. We talk about being brothers or sisters, but are we really? You know, so, you know, so, and I, I was talking with Paul Combs about doing a drawing for me. My buddy Paul does all the drawings. And it's a picture, I told him, needs to be a firefighter sitting at the kitchen table. And he's sitting there and he's got little me tape messages stuck all over his uniform. It says mental health issues, financial problems, divorce, kid on drugs, dad's got cancer. And he's got a big red blinking clown nose that says, help, help, help. And right across from the kitchen table is a brother, sister, brother, firefighter. And all three of them are on their cell phones looking down. Mm. He's sitting right in front of them. How do we miss this stuff? Mm -hmm. We all talk, we all, the hot topic, and I'm a big believer and supporter, my good friend Bobby Halton was, in mental health awareness. But how are we really, we don't even pay attention to each yeah. other. <clears throat> we don't even realize that the loudest mouth in the firehouse is the one asking for help the most. We don't realize the shyest person needs to, we, 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 we bully. I cannot stand bullies in the firehouse. We humiliate and tease. We take a little bit of having fun. I love the joke. God, we love the fun. The little bit of ribbing mm -hmm. and teasing is all good. Actually good stress relief. I love all that, but the bullying and the harassment that we do that other people allow us to do, you know, it just we're, we're horrible at reading people, yeah. you know, strengths we, as a leader, strengths, weaknesses, likes, mm -hmm. dislikes, whatever. How can you say you know how to challenge people? You don't even know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. You know, yeah. we talk about this brother sister thing and, and at home. We know everything about our brothers and sisters. We know every little quirk. We know how to get to them. We know how to make them happy. We know how to tease them, what sets mm -hmm. them off, all that stuff. But what do we really do in the firehouse besides God bless, put a tattoo on your sleeve Wear a ball cap and, and put a sticker in your car and say, brother, brother, sister, sister. But we don't read people. We, we, we do a horrible job at reading people, the fire service, especially the leadership. Yeah. You know, we don't pay attention to our own people. Um, and, and we need it. We, you know, and that's everything from the rookie and the probie and teaching yeah. him or her what they need to know to some of that might be going through a rough time and everything in between. Thank you for bringing that up. So a question that I have on that is. So I, I totally agree. I, I, you know, coming up, you know, I've, I've got 15 years, 16 years in the fire service. So definitely got many years to go, but I, I can't recall back to training that I've had where they intentionally focused on reading people on emotional intelligence, whether it be, you know, being able to interact with someone. I've always, you know, there's a term out there, your company officer, I think uh, chief uh, Castro has actually coined this term or it must've come from someone else, 
Love company, that o- company officers must be peer support, regardless if you're on the team, right? Like you don't need to be formally on the team to provide support to the people that are well, around you. And can I throw something in? You just made me think of something. Absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes the hardest person to mentor is the one you may not like. Yes. And that's when you have to do it the most. Yes. You can't pick or choose who you're going to mentor and who you're going to counsel, who you're going to affect and who you're going to coach by whether you like them or not. Yes. You know, Agreed. you're either a good person, a good boss or a brother or sister, or you're not. And sometimes that's the challenge, especially for someone that may not want it, but I'm sorry. I didn't, you made no, me think of that. No, no, no. Thank you for that. So I guess the question I have to follow up with that is chief, how do we bridge that gap? How do we become better in our organizations? How do our emerging leaders, which are our listeners today, how do we become better at people size up? How do we become better at, being able to read people better. What is something that you guys have uh, incorporated in your organizations or and or something that you recommend to our up-and-coming leaders to be better at reading people? I, well, you, you you said it earlier about the lack of training when it comes to that, you know, emotional intelligence, things like that. We do a very poor job. What, what, like I said, the main reason John Salk and I moved into teaching assaulting full-time was to do our company, Officer Academy, because... You know, we're the only profession probably in the world that we front load you. We put you through the fire academy, put you through EMT school, hazmat awareness, first responder, maybe paramedicine, all this stuff. We get you on a shift, either drill nights or shift days, and you're doing your stuff. A couple years later, you look around, you're driving the engine, and then we promote you to lieutenant, and we do nothing for you. Mm-hmm. And then we promote you to cat, we do nothing. But talent you so all the way to chief of department, and then I get to come as a mediator and fix the shit that you don't know how to do because no one ever taught you. So that was our dream was to put a program together you know, we were always doing company officer stuff, but we retooled everything. And, and uh, 13, 14 years ago now, 15 years ago, we started doing the company officer academy and battalion academy as well. Um, and that's one of the areas out of many areas of cover that we focus on about reading your people and understand your people. Mm-hmm. Because everybody thinks leadership is about barking orders and about looking good and pinning collar pins on and stuff like that. And you know what? Some of that matters, but that's probably at the lowest part of the list. It all comes back to what are you doing to develop your people? Mm-hmm. Now, and I'll say this, what are you doing to develop yourself? First off, what kind of example are you setting? How are you leading your people? There's a, a, a one of the many bullet points in the program is great bosses make you want to be better. I used to say this, my Lieutenant Bill Allen, who I adore, just working for him made me want to be better. Just being around him, maybe. And I, I say, they, they they just be in there wanting to be a better firefighter. And I use a line. Um, it's an older movie. Jack Nicholson is this, this nasty author and Helen Hunt is a waitress. And he, and, and, oh, as good as it gets, it's an oh, yeah. older movie, as good as it gets. And at the end, she's yelling at, at the end. She's like, why do you love me so much? Why do you care for me so much? Why do you want to be around me? And Jack Nicholson says, because you make me want to be a better man. Now, First of all, that's a very poor imitation, Jack Nicholson. But number two, I liked it. Number someone's going home with somebody because you make you want to be a better man. I mean, come on, good bosses make you want to be a better firefighter. Without you even knowing it, you're like, how the hell did I get? Oh, that's how. Good bosses are sneaky. Good bosses know how to push your buttons. Good bosses know your. I when I was going through my divorce to my practice wife, my first wife. I, there's 10 to 15 of us on duty. So shift change was like a madhouse. Guys throwing donuts at each other and all. And I came out, I was so mad. I'm like, don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Get away with that. And marched off. 45 minutes later, we're in the middle of checking rigs. I look over. He's leaning against the door, just smiling, kind of looking at me. And I went, you little sneaky SOB. You did it again. 
we're laughing and yucking up. He knew what buttons to push on Rick. Mm -hmm. He knew how to grab Rick and put him back on track. He knew sometimes when to stomp on me, when I needed encouragement, when I need a little boost, when I need a little sit down, when I need a little a little comforting, which we all do, when I needed a good, strong talk, all of that. Because it, yeah. he cared enough about me as my boss to understand me, and he read me. You know, you sit back and you watch your people. They're what they call them, tells. Mm -hmm. Little yeah. tells, yeah. you know, working. Those great bosses had the ability to do, do things for people when their people don't even know what's going on. But if you want to sit in your office and watch TV and polish your golf clubs and all that shit, ain't nothing going to happen. You know, yeah. you've got to be invested in your people. Get involved. Yeah, it, it's uh, go to the same, like good bosses, good leaders, good coaches, right? Again, going back to sports analogy, is to get their people to reach realize and reach their potential, right? I mean, exactly. that's, 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 part, that's part of the gig. Uh, so going a little bit further on the Company Officer Academy, because I know you talked about it a couple of times, and I want to make sure we capture a little bit of that, is yeah, so you guys do an entire segment on, on, on the people part of this job on reading people, on getting people to understand the importance of connecting, interacting, motivating, inspiring people. Because, I mean, let, let's face it, like I said, I've been 16 years and I haven't had formal training in that stuff, but I would love it. And so it's, uh, I wish it was part of curriculums nationwide everywhere. You know, we, we mandate people to, uh, to be able to manage, a, you know, company officers to manage a fire scene, right? We, we mandate individuals to be able to go through an employee challenge process, but we don't mandate individuals to be able to interact and motivate employees, which we know is equally, if not more important part of the job. So there's stuff out there that it's absolutely non-negotiable, right? According to Chief Lasky, you know, X, Y, Z is you can't have this or you must have this to create an environment that's going to be, you know, thriving for people to want to be there, for people to want to work hard. I'll just go out and say, you know, some of yours might be pride and ownership, but what is something, according to Chief Lasky, that is non-negotiable? You know, leaders must have this and or leaders cannot do this when we're talking about creating a high performing organization. You know, I, I have to say, first of all, it's a tie between two things. Number one, a must have an absolute non-negotiable thing is you have to be a person of integrity. Nothing else matters in your life without integrity. We do programs on core values and vision statements and mission statements, all that. Um, if you took a shovel and dug down and hit bedrock, that's integrity. That's why they call you core values. Nothing else. There's not a core value that carries more weight, all right, that has sets more precedence than being a person of integrity. And your integrity is what defines your character. Your character can be defined by how you act when no one's looking. It's all about we have the keys to businesses where people's homes they hand us their babies and we jump in ambulances with them. Nobody else has the trust anywhere in the world. Doctors don't. I'm very partial law enforcement. Sadly, they're killing cops like it's free right now. Um, we're kind of screwed up as it is right now as a country. Anyway, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. That being said, when you when you sacrifice or compromise your integrity, it's all over. You're you're headed towards mm -hmm. the waterfall, and there's no swimming up current. Yeah, that's it. There's no such thing as a little lie. You're either an honest person or you're not. If you're a leader and you're a boss, you know what? If you have no integrity, you suck. You mm -hmm. suck. You 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 suck. Integrity is a non-negotiable. You have to be. Look, I had when I was younger in my career. I was younger. I was a young kid. I got in trouble all the time. If it wasn't for a cop named Frank Sinicki, I would. I, who knows where I would have been? That guy. When I was 14, 15 years old, my brother passed away. I was hanging with firefighters. Kids who are older than me. I do this whole program for kids, by the way, in high school and middle school called Building Tomorrow's Leaders and Successors. I show a picture of a precinct with four rows of police officers. I say, he arrested me, he arrested me, he arrested me, he arrested me. 
And I go through all these things of what they arrest me for. And there's a red arrow pointing to this young cop in the back. And I go, and it says saved. I go, he, you know, he took a chance. When everybody else had given up on me, he took a chance on me. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that forced me. And I mean forced me pretty much at gunpoint into the Explorers program and changed my life, man. Yeah. And, and sadly, I never got to thank him before he passed later on in life. Um, Frank Sinicki changed Rick Lasky mm-hmm. by giving me a chance. Integrity is everything. You know what? If you don't like how you're living your life, push a reset button. Mm-hmm. Reset, push a reset button. It's like shaking your etch a sketch. And for your young listeners, that's an old toy we used to use. Okay. If you didn't like what you drew on, you just shook it. Yeah. Push a reset button. You know, uh, one of my roommates, two spring trainees with the White Sox, a guy named Ron Kittle, uh, 1983 Rookie of the Year, uh, um, uh, you know, MVP, All Star, all that stuff. Uh, played for the White Sox, went to Cleveland, the Yankees, back to Sox. He's the big PR guy right now for the Sox, big motivational guy. We talk a lot. And several years ago, he posted a, a meme on social media. And all it said was, all it said was, I got up this morning and didn't like what I saw. So I changed just like that. I got up this morning, didn't like what I saw. So I changed just like that. And a, you heard a big thud. And that was like 2.3 million books on, on change being thrown in garbage cans because everybody gets hoodooed about, I can't change. You know what? The only one that can affect change is yourself. They can, People can't force you. People can't make you. You still have to be the one that makes that decision if you're changing on. So yeah. if you don't like how you've been living your life, change. change. It's that simple. Absolutely. Integrity is a non-negotiable thing. You cannot be any kind of a great leader. You cannot be a great, you can't even be a good firefighter. In fact, you shouldn't be, in fact, I don't want you in my fire service if you don't have integrity. That's number one. Mm-hmm. The other non-negotiable thing is the love for the job. If you don't love being a firefighter, <clears throat> go work for Taco Bell. Taco Bell, excuse me, Taco Bell uh, down the street here is paying like $18 an hour. And I, t- I say this all the time. I told this guy a couple months ago, he was like all angry. He was angry. He's supposed to be in class. I don't want to be here. I go, well, okay, that's, thank you. No, no, really. You said it twice now. No, really, I don't. Want, okay, that's three times you told me I want to be here. I said, why are you so angry? Why do you hate the fire store? Well, my chief, I said, I said, then why don't you leave? Nobody's telling you, go work for Taco Bell. If it's a uniform you like, Taco Bell will give you a uniform. If it's a radio, they give you a little headset. You can just say uh, your totals number three forty two. Pull up to uh, mm-hmm. window number two and show me your app. I said, but you don't have to be a firefighter yeah. if you don't passion drive success. I do a program on this on this whole thing. Passion drives success. People who don't love what they do suck at what they do. You cannot be great at anything you don't love to do. I won't even give, give you very good. It's like that eighteen T commercial where the guy's in the hospital bed and the nurse takes blood pressure. His wife and two kids are standing there. And the wife asked the nurse, so how is Dr. Jones? And the nurse looks up and says, eh, he's okay. And the guy sits up, just okay? And remember, you hear the, <laughs> guy the, doc- remember you hear the doctor in the hallway, guess who yeah. just got reinstated? Yes, yeah. You know, sort of. You're nervous? <laughs> yeah, me too. No, we'll figure out when we get in there. That's not who I want working on me. Right, right. And as a firefighter, that's not who I want showing up at my house to take yeah. care of my loved ones and my family. You've got to love what you do, but you don't have to love it like I do. Yeah. But you have to be passionate <laughs> about what we do. And understand truly what it is we represent to children, to seniors, to our community. If you don't have a handle on that, you got into this for the wrong business. Yeah. You know, if you're in this for just a paycheck, just for the T-shirt, I want no part of you. I'm yeah. sorry. I want no part of you. Like I said, you don't have to love it like I do, but but don't be a jackass yeah. and, and complain or ridicule the people that love showing up to do the coolest job in the world. Little boys and yeah. girls want to be you, man. Yeah. Little 
boys and girls yeah. want to be you. Yeah, All right. Absolutely. They they pointed two things, the fire engine and the ice cream truck. Yes. Okay. Yes. Love the job. But those are two things, integrity and the love for the job or the lack of love for the job are non-negotiable. You better Thank love you. the job. You better be personal integrity. Quick question on that. Cause uh, where do you stand on negativity? You just talked about love for the job. You talked about people complaining, talking about people not wanting to be here. And uh, negativity is something that we've talked about on this podcast. It's, you know, I, I believe it's a non-negotiable. It should be uh, everywhere, especially in the fire service, because negativity is it spreads like wildfire. Not only that, it's as we know through the research, it's it's actually more effective than positivity. And nothing ruins a culture more than being negative, right? Uh, where do you stand on negativity? Just kind of out of curiosity. Well, this goes back to reading your people, okay? Because there are some people who are there's difference between a bad attitude and an emotional up or down. Um, you know, the only one thing in life you have absolute control is your attitude. Anger, happiness, and sadness, all emotions that come and go out of your day, your week, your month, your year. I can make you laugh. I can make you sad. I can make you mad. But I cannot choose your attitude. So the good bosses, the great leaders that know, the great bosses that know how to read their people, know whether this is a mood swing, whether this is just one of your bipolar uh, moments. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of the things you're going through versus someone who's just been out of touch for a year or nine, whatever. Yeah. So I think in order to identify what you're going to do, if you're going to do anything about it, because some people need to come out of themselves. Uh, I I, used to, I do this thing on the Winnie the Pooh characters. I talk about Eeyore, the energy sucker. And Eeyore's mm -hmm. glass is always permanently half empty. Everybody has peaks and valleys. And Eeyore just loves the valleys. And every now and then as a brother or sister, you got to reach down and grab a hole by their shirt and yank them mm -hmm. out of the hole. Well, every now and then, a good boss needs to sit down with someone and go, so what's going on, man? Mm -hmm. What? No, don't, don't shit me. What's going on? There's something not right. I'm not prying in your private life, but it's affecting your work life. People yeah. are kind of, they're kind of uh, talking away from you. They're kind of avoiding you. They're kind of, they see it. They walk, see it. They walk. That's well, no, no, I'm not saying, well, I'm, I'm talking fact. They walk away from you, whatever. There's something going on in your life, man. You're driving your brothers and sisters away from you. What is it? that's one of those, we always talk about the great leaders. I do a class called great leaders make difficult decisions. And part of that is having that difficult conversation. conversation. You know, the, the, the mediocre bosses can't, they just, ah, you know, I don't know. Um, the good ones can sit down because they're not worried about being your buddy. They're worried about being your boss and your leader and your mentor. Yep. And if, again, for me, if it wasn't for Bill Allen stomping at me once in a while as my mentor, which I love the guy's a great yeah. guy. Um, he corrected so many mood swings I was having, but negativity is like, you know, being negative is a cancer within organization. Number one, bosses who bitch down to their people are the cancer. If you, if you're, if you're listening to this show and you're a boss and you bitch down your people, you are the problem. If you're bitching about your chief all the time, if you're bitching about the mayor all the time, if you're bitching about the lieutenant, the other ship, you are... Nobody gets in their pickup trucks or their cars in the morning, rubs their hands and go, God, I can't wait to go to the firehouse this morning to hear my lieutenant bitch about the chief. Oh, my God. It's my favorite. I told my wife and my husband last night, I told my partner, this is the most exciting part of my day. I get to go there listen, bitch, 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 bitch. I just love it. It makes my whole day. This is the coolest job in the world. The best part is listen to my boss bitch about. They don't want to hear it. Right. They don't want. So sometimes you have to sit in your office and psych yourself up. Sometimes you have to go for a walk. I did a talk at Pendleton, Camp Pendleton. I remember I'm up early walking, and all of a sudden these pickup trucks with loud, booming music are pulling in the parking lot. I'm like, 
how did the MPs let them drive through the gates? I mean, they boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. and I look, and inside a couple of these pickup trucks, it was the DIs, it was the drill instructors coming to wake up the the, the new Marines, wow. and and I could look, and two of them inside their pickup trucks were going. And they're screaming and they're getting yeah. off because now they got to go bang garbage cans and literally like, get up. A... Sometimes you got to fire yourself up. And if you're mm -hmm. a leader and boss, the whole never let them see you sweat. They don't they don't go to work and go, God, the greatest energy I get, my greatest thrill is seeing my boss bitch all day. No, sometimes you're the difference maker. Right. Sometimes a Rick Lasky is coming to work, going through a divorce, having a hard time. Has a lieutenant that cares so much about me, Bill Allen. That at the risk of pissing me off, he knows how to push the right buttons to get me to re-engage. Yeah. So bitching down is a cancer, but but negativity, um, you know, and, and I'll, let me just say this, and I'll end this one. Senior firefighters out there, you can have three years in your department be the senior firefighter because a young fire department, you have to have 30 years. Senior firefighters fix more stuff. The greatest company officers I've ever known have had a senior firefighter doing stuff on the floor. You don't even know what they're doing down there. And I'm not, they're not lying or covering stuff, but a firefighter going on a firefighter say, yeah, come here, come here for a second. You know what? I don't care. Stop that shit now. Mm -hmm. I will whoop your ass. You don't stop that. Now, if I say it, they go, Chief Lansky, and hearing my grievance, Chief Lansky. No, see, I've never seen a firefighter grieve another firefighter by getting them back in line, by put, putting them back. Senior firefighters, God, don't ever forget the impact you have on people around you. Yeah. But passion drives success. Negativity kills the greatest of organizations. Ego and power kill positions. Negativity, oh, love it. nobody wants to be around it. No, nobody wants to be there. So this is where sometimes you have to have that hard talk with a buddy, even if you're not the boss. Sometimes a firefighter says, really, 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 Tommy? What, what, what the hell's going on? Really, dude? Yeah. No, look, I love you. Yeah, I told one guy once, look, they love you. They don't like you. Yeah. What? They love you, but they don't like you, man. Your drive, your 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 just your whole attitude is sinking the ship here, man. Yeah, um, and we got to fix this. I love it, and uh, this is the segue into a great part because you mentioned senior firefighter. You talked about having difficult conversations. This is the part where we actually asked Chief Lasky to please provide uh, a tip for our listeners, something that they can do literally today. If you don't mind, just addressing three different groups of individuals, give them something that they can start literally doing right now to grow as leaders. So the first one is a newer firefighter. It could be a recruit. It could be a probationary firefighter. Someone that's, you know, just a few years on the job to so kind of learn their way. What's a, a tip that you have for those employees, those firefighters to start doing right now to grow themselves as firefighters and as leaders early in their career? The the number one thing I tell, I get a lot of young firefighters that ask that, that question, what can I do to be great at what I'm doing? Or what can I do to be better? And I used to say, which is true, train, 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 train. You should always be trained. You should always be reading listening, watching podcasts, watching videos, reading books, doing what you have to do. You always be raising the bar, like we said, for yourself, okay? That's the one thing. But I, I said this recently to a firefighter. I said, you know, if you want to be a great firefighter, you want to be great at being a firefighter. Look in your department or look at a buddy's department and, and look to the, who do you think's the greatest firefighter they have? Not the buffoon, not the class clown, not the jackass. I'm talking the one that the chief always grabs, the one that they always go, come here, Tommy, come here, Cynthia, Cindy, come here, come here, come here, come here. The go-to guys and and be like them. You know, they what was the old uh, Michael Jordan thing? Be like Mike. Yeah. You know, we yeah. did we did a podcast for, for company officers, same advice. 
called be 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 like Tim, meaning be like Tim Clett, Lieutenant 88 Engine of the Bronx, one of John's absolute favorite company officers. You want to be a great company officer, be like him. Same thing. You want to be a great firefighter. Pick the good ones and go, why, why is he or she so great? When I use like Curtis Burt and Lisa Reed, Lisa retired as a captain from Vaughn Canada. Curtis is the ops chief down in Pearland, Texas. Been with me forever. Lisa, they both, Curtis has taught with me in the same role program since I created it. All right. And Lisa taught for me for 20 years in it. They're both. And I used to tell you, you want, I used to tell you, you want to be, you want to be like great at what you're doing. Look at those two right there. And, and what, and pick apart what makes them great. Look at their smile. Look at their command presence. Look at their strengths. Look at their weaknesses. Look at their tactical ability, their command. Look at everything about them. Mentor, teacher, everything, everything. Coach, oh, friend, all that's the parent, everything. Son, daughter, true bro. The whole package and be like them. Sometimes the young firefighters, they pick the class clown or the goof because they want, you know, who wants it? You know, you saw it in high school, you know, and you want to hang with the funny one. You want to hang with the popular kids. Well, you know what? When I went to school, the popular kids didn't turn out to be the best people in life. Agreed. You know, Agreed. some of the quietest people, some of the some of the hardest workers, some of the people that were true friends. When you go through a world of shit and you turn around for your 20 friends and two of them are standing there, mm -hmm. those are the two you hook your wagon to. Those are the two that you follow. Yeah. So as a young firefighter, pick the great ones to emulate. And all those things that make them great Start swallowing those up and doing that. That's what I would do for a young firefighter. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you so much, Chief. Tip for the emerging leader. This is the aspiring or newer company officer, maybe a new training officer, uh, someone that's kind of emerging, you know, wanting to take that next step in the organization. Uh, something that they can start doing today to grow themselves as future leaders. You, you know, number one, um, I'll say it again, find the great leaders to emulate and follow. Um, fasten yourself to a good mentor. You should always be, this is a continual education. I have 45 years in the fire service today and I read something every day. I watch the fire porn. I watch the videos every day. Um, I found it kind of amusing that it's happened several times. We'll go teach at a conference. And I remember this one in Texas, this leadership conference, and I'm sitting in the second row because I just got done teaching on the classroom. I got in there and it was already filled up. And my buddy, John Salka, and my buddy, Captain Bill Gustin, were sitting in the front row. And they both had pads of paper on. They're taking notes of this guy that was teaching. And somebody behind us took a picture, posted a picture, going, unbelievable. Look at all the years of experience. 50 years, 50 years, 45 years. These guys just got to, and they're sitting up there taking notes. Isn't and I, I want to say, why, why, why is that so incredible? I mean, right. I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to insult you, but. Dude, you're making a big deal about, we've always done this. Why Why is this such a strange mm -hmm. thing that some of the guys would a lot, you know why? Because Alan Brunacini used to do that when he was 80 years old, you know, and and, and and had like 80 years of fire experience. I'm just saying, right. the greatest leaders always, they continuously learn, they continue to hone their craft or skill or whatever. That's the first thing. You, you, you keep learning and keep bettering yourself. Number two it's always about your people. Understand this as a first-level supervisor leader. We had a guy uh, in Alpharetta, Georgia, great place. We did a company officer academy there. And we're doing a little graduation after the three days. And this guy came up, shook my hand. He said, Chief, it was 58. I go, 58 what? He goes, it was 58. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you and Chief Salka said it 58 different times over three days. 
it's always about your people. It's always about your people. It's always about your people. As a parent, it's always about your kids. It's always about your children. All right. Your family. As a company officer, grow into this. And I don't care if you, this is not about whether you like them or not. When you become a leader, the like and dislikes go away, man. Yeah. This is, you know, do your do your guys and gals come first with your budgets, with your policies, your SOGs, with the meal, with everything. Guys, good at it. Go, go, you know, get, get, the, you make sure they're fed. You make sure that they get, you know, they get clean. You make sure that it's always about them. You check on them. You make sure they're good off duty and duty. The greatest leaders I know. First of all, the greatest leaders I've ever been around. I said this at Chief Bobby Halton's tribute, my best one of my best friends when he passed away. The greatest leaders I've either followed, studied, have worked with, or for or around had one common thing among themselves. They valued family. Mm-hmm. If you value family, that's your family and the family of the fire service. I'll pick on that. Those are the great people that don't take care of that, don't take care of anything else. You know what I'm saying? They don't search the whole room on a primary search, they don't keep their tools, nothing. As a, as a leader, as a future leader, know this right now, it is always at all about your people. You know, I had a guy come up and say about being a supervisor. He goes, well, I didn't sign up to be a babysitter. I went, yeah, actually you did. You did. The more technical term is supervisor, but that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. When you don't supervise, when you don't take care of your people, you don't put them first, we get people hurt and killed. Yeah. There are no do-overs in the fire service. You have one chance to get it right. So your people come first. So always, well, let's cap them together. Firefighter and company officer, future leader. Always strive to be better. Hone your craft. Learn, 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 learn. Train, train, train. Pick the good firefighters and the great ones and the great company officers to emulate and be like. And never, never forget the fact that it's about your brothers and sisters and it's about your firefighters if you're a boss. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Chief. And uh, before I get to the, to the senior established leader, uh, a, a question, because I kind of want to, uh, it's kind of rhetorical, but uh, I'll say it anyway. You obviously study leaders. You you listen to other leaders. You're always grasping from other leaders. And you, you said taking notes, even to this day, 45 years in the fire service, still taking notes in the background in a class or a seminar or a speaker. So the importance of studying other leaders and emulating, you know, those, even though you might have 20, 30, 40 years on the job. Necessary? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. First of all, I'm always learning stuff and I'm always going, I'm my own worst critic. I'm a fine tuner. I'm always looking at myself going, okay, well, how did I say that? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to improve or so on and so forth? But there's one of my absolute idols. He's gone now. Co- uh, General Colin Powell, our secretary of state, got to meet him and visit him three times. Absolutely adore him. Again, another guy who values family first. You know, guys, family first, but great leader who put his people first and all that, and stayed in touch with people and all that. Like I said, the the greatest leaders were not always George Patton. George Patton was a great motivator on the battleground. All right, he wasn't a very nice person to a lot of people. You know, I'm just saying that. But his particular leadership style was needed during World War II for what they're doing. Omar Bradley was the complete opposite of a leadership style, and people followed him. You know, but a whole different person. So. You don't always have to be the bitter, angry, bossful, you know, what they call bossy cow out in the field. There's always one cow that's bossy, other cows around. You don't have to be yeah. that person all the time to be the great boss. Yeah. Your command presence, your leadership skills, your mentorship, and your love for your people, your care for your people is what determines that. Yeah. Um, but I'll learn. I'll, I'm always learning. I mean, like I said, the day you stop learning fire service, go get your fishing pole. God bless you. We'll buy you a cake. We'll yeah. invite you back to parties. But man, 
you know, there's always someone to learn from. There's always someone to grasp something off of. Thank you. I actually wrote one of these things down because I, I heard you guys talk about it on your podcast is you mentioned Colin Powell and you referenced him. So I'll say it here just to give credit both to yourself and to uh, Colin Powell as well as the day your soldiers. And in our case, yep. the day your crew members stop bringing you problems, the day you stop meeting them. And I, yep. I listened to that. I heard that. And I was like, it, it was good to hear because I know sometimes we like to complain like, Oh my gosh, my firefighters coming to the, coming to me to this again. It's got this again. Well, that's, that's a good thing, right? The day people stop coming to you with problems, the day they st- they stop trusting. Take you. it as a compliment. Yeah, you, you know they're they're coming to you. In fact, I've never understood. We high five after we have a good job, good pin and axe, a good fire. We we fist bump, we arm bump, we do all this stuff for them. We're like, ah, yeah, we take pictures. Yeah, we as bosses, as leaders, the first, oh god, geez, we got another personnel problem. I can't, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I mean, it's not my favorite part of the day either, but yeah. Isn't that part of your job? Your job as yeah. a fixer? I mean, hell, anybody could go to a fire, lead them at a fire. Yeah. How about in the firehouse? We do 99% of our work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Agreed. So when they come to you with problems, when they come to you with challenges, when they come to you with gripes and bitches and complaints, you know what? There's a reason. Yeah. If they don't come to you, there's a reason. Yeah. But if they come to you, there's a good reason. So take it and run with it and and do your best with it but uh it. yeah I, I you if you heard me talk about it i i chased away a battalion chief for three years because he would always come to my office and if i said really jerry is is this a good or bad thing because i think i've had a bad thing can we just go a week without smashing in the shit around here and <laughs> you know what he says i'll catch you later and it took me three years of me having to go to him to earn his trust back because yeah, you know, I let them down as a boss. Uh, so let you know they need to come to you with their stuff. Yeah, oh, thank you, Chief. Uh, lastly, the tip for the senior and or established leader in an organization. You know, this could be the fire chief himself. This could be, you know, battalion chiefs, assistant chiefs. What's something the senior members of organizations can do to grow as leaders? To grow as leaders, number one, like we said, continue to learn, continue to to bolster your 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 leadership background to influence yourself, to raise the bar for yourself, to care about your people. But understand, and and I love the, the whole sports analogies, I think, is that talk about football all the time. You know, again, I'm a big baseball, you know, person. I'll stop. I, I probably, you know, elected a softball Hall of Fame a few years back and all that. But if you look at a football team, a football team practice the same plays over thousands of times, mm-hmm. over and 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 over again. Then they throw the offense out there, and the coach – the battalion chief, okay, the battalion chief shift commander calls in the plays to the quarterback. The quarterback huddles up. That's your roll call, okay, your roll call in the morning. It calls the play. Same thing on defense. You know, they're trying to do that stuff. Defense trying to counter it. So you've got the shift commander who's running, who's calling the plays out to the company officers out on the field. But you have the owners, the senior leadership that's up in the press box. And what they're trying to do is establish good, solid SOGs, SOPs, rules and regulations, good labor contracts, um, they're trying to establish, I've said this before, in the absence of a good background and hiring process, you're going to hire problems. People do not become problems later. You hired them as a problem, you missed it. Your 20-minute interview, you missed it. Um, I don't know when this changed, when we let the drawbridge down, because number one, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your race, your religion, your sexual orientation, your educational background, your upbringing. If you have passion, you can work for me. I don't care. I love, I mean, I just, I have, I have people of all walks of life in my life. And if you love the job, you can work for me. If you don't, I've got no use for you. Number one, but 
the HR people that I deal with will tell you, I don't know when this happened. I've asked them. They're all, they're all like, not everybody should be a firefighter. There are people out there that should never, ever be a school teacher. There are some people that should be a police officer. They should, we say, oh, you know what? You know, everybody has the opportunity to interview and test. But the reason we have a process is to eliminate bad people. You know, we're trying to hire people. We're going to let to little girls' bedrooms and to people's homes to have keys to all the businesses. We are the integrity people. You know, we're the ones they hand their babies to, like I said, and we show the back ambulance. They don't even know who you are. Mm -hmm. So in the absence, the, the ownership, the senior leadership has to be vested in their organization as much as they are in their golf score. Mm. I'll just say it. There you yeah. go. Oh, you, know, score, yes. you, look, you know, if you have, you look at a chief that's got a, you know, a, a you know, a handicap that that's incredible at golf, he's not spending time in the office. A guy did, there was a pro golfer that did a whole uh, study on that about how much time and effort you have to spend unless you're like Tiger Woods, you know, yeah. what you have to spend on the, on the driving range, on the practice, range, practice, 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 practice. So if you're doing that that much, how much time are you actually spending, you know, as a fire chief, uh, as a, as a senior leader, you've got to be vested into the position you're at and into your people. And again, it comes to the infrastructure that's fighting for your budgets, fighting for better staffing equipment, you know, fighting for your people. Stop, stop, stop selling your people, uh, you know, uh, under the bridge because you're kissing your mayor's ass, yeah, you know, yeah. don't cut and run on your people. When the, the mayor says you got to cut the budget, I'm not cutting the budget. I'll quit. Well, great. Let them hire some political hack that doesn't care. You're there. You're supposed to be fighting for your people all the time. If anybody puts their people first, it's the senior leadership. The senior leadership has to be there. But again, think of the ownership. You're trying, you're trying to hire the best players. You're trying mm -hmm. to sign the best players for your team. You're trying to build a great offense and a great defense. You're trying to find everybody. How many, how many, how many Super Bowls were lost because of a shitty kicker? Mm-hmm. The person is probably the least paid, least. They, you look at this little tiny person, you go, really, the kicker? Why the kicker? They wear the, they wear the smallest Super Bowl ring and all that stuff. You know, I, I had a coach, Patty Gasso gets millions of dollars to coach OU for softball. She's, I think, set the record with championships at World Series. She said, well, she goes, if I sign your daughter, if I bring your daughter on, she goes, I have one daughter, I have one daughter, one girl on my team that's never swung a, bat, a softball bat. She, she's a track star and she's my pinch runner. And when I pull your daughter out to put a pinch run, I'm not doing it just to, oh, I, I got to put her in. Let, let's put her so she gets in the game. I'm putting her out there because I need her because she's the fastest person on my team. That's why I brought her on my team. Mm -hmm. So if you understand all your people have talent, that's what the big boss are doing. They're trying to look at the talent within their organization, trying to move the chess pieces to build all, all three shifts or build their volunteer fire department the best they can to be the best they can be. It could be. That's the person we all like to think we have, the bosses give us the people when we're on the line, and our job is to mold them, mentor them, you know, chorus them, uh, you know, get to be better. Yeah. But the people at the top that have the ability to actually – I do this. I travel, I consult, and I see what makes a great fire department and what makes a crappy one, man. Yeah. And the yeah. ones with bad bosses, they're the guys are holding on by a string just waiting for someone else to come in and reinvigorate them and motivate them. Senior leadership – you know, you're 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 the owners up in the press box that are determining, you know, spend some money. And I'm talking about not just dollars, I'm talking about in heart and passion and, and interest in your people. You know, how about people, you know, people, people investment and make sure you're doing what you can for your people so that the coaches that are out there 
and 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 you know, and the, the quarterbacks have the best people to do what they're doing. Yeah, I don't oh. know if that's I don't know if that's as much a a sports analogy. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I resonate everything with the sports, especially the part where you say the, the handicap. Uh, since I got promoted to a lieutenant, I went from a single digit to 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 not. I'm no longer a single digit golfer since I took the promotion. So I might be doing something, doing something okay. We'll see. Um, this 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 past weekend in the golf tournament would say my partner would say different, but that's a, a different story. So uh, so we end with the leadership challenge. Our goal is to spread the leadership conversation as far as possible and to continue to grow leaders in the fire service. And obviously, we've gone across the country here, but to bridge this gap in the leadership pandemic that. Uh, Chief Castro's uh, coins by continuing to further the conversation. And we're here today because uh, Chief Frank Viscuso, you are one of his leadership challengees, if you will. And so first of all, thank you for taking uh, taking up this challenge today. But if I may ask. Yeah, yeah I owe there... Frank for that. So anyway. <laughs> <Is> there... <laughs> no, Absolutely. Is there someone out there, an individual or two or three that you would, uh, that you would like to formally challenge or, uh, or to call out on this podcast for someone that we could reach out to, uh, to be a future guest here on the kitchen table? You know, and, and I, I love the, the you know, you guys call it the leadership challenge, but forget the whole word challenge. I think, uh, I, I think, I think some incredible people that have an incredible message to share, uh, you know, much, much better than I could ever do uh, would, would number one would be Chief Scott Thompson. I said, I'd mention him later, uh, or I mentioned him earlier, Chief Scott Thompson from the colony in Texas. Scott would be a it'd be a great one. I mean, if you can't learn something from that guy, mm-hmm. uh, you got problems going on. Uh, second one would be my partner, Assistant Chief Terry McGrath, my hump day hangout co-host. Uh, I call him Elroy Jetson from the Jetsons. I know for <laughs> some of your young listeners, that's an old cartoon, but Terry's so smart. First of all, he should be a stand-up comic, but, uh, but Terry's so smart, brilliant man, great leader, uh, loves the job. I absolutely adore Terry. Um, Terry would be a great one. And then I don't know uh, if you've had them already, but uh, Chief David Rhodes, um, our new boss at Fire Engineering. Now, David's not new. He's the, he's the new boss. Um, a lot of people don't know this. My, one of my best friends, Chief Bobby Halton, we were together in Hawaii teaching uh, up until his passing. In fact, he flew home. We were together for five days, and he flew home and passed away. Uh, he was already in the eight-month transition, leadership transition, to David. David's been with FDIs for 25 years. David was Atlanta Fire Department for 32 years, 18 as a union president, retired as a battalion chief. Um, David's freaking incredible. Um, uh, uh, they were in a transition. Obviously, neither one wanted to see it as quickly as it happened. But uh, David is now uh, the new boss at Fire Engineering, FDIC, GEMS, Fire Emperor, all that stuff. Yeah. And I will say this to our to our listeners. We are in great hands. I love Bobby Halton dearly. He was my good, good friend. I know right now, he is smiling, looking down, because his plan is working out exactly how he wanted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Rhodes, the editor in chief for Fire Engineering, FDIC uh, executive director, you know, uh, conference director, it would be an awesome guest. I, I, I those, those, all three of those guys, I love dearly. I think uh, your listeners would would, uh, awesome. would would grab some great things from. Well, thank you, Chief. I will. Uh, I'll gather some contact information from you at a later time. But I know Scott Thompson, Terry McGrath. I got them written down. I'm going to kind of look at uh, some of this, the, the, some of the resources that you were talking about. But like I mentioned earlier, their inbox is probably going to be flooded here, I'm sure, in the next few days after we publish this episode. So first of all, thank you. So we've covered a lot today, Chief, and I'm sure we can go for hours and hours and hours, which we won't. But I will offer this up. Lasting leadership thoughts. Would you like to leave our listeners with anything you have yet to mention to us today? You know, nothing more than um, 
I think we need to take, I mentioned this a little bit before, we need to take care of each other a little bit better. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we, we, we say we're in a job and a lot of us are, but being into the job means being into your people, your friends, your brothers, your sisters. Um, you know, it's not normal for a firefighter to see what they see. Um, the majority of people that have, uh, difficulties, it's not fire service generated. There's a whole bunch of things going in life, but the tipping point is something that happens at the firehouse on a call or whatever. So if I was going to do, if I was going to say anything is be pay more attention to your people, uh, be the brother or sister. You tell people you are, um, wrap your arms around the whole, the whole brotherhood word. And there's her and my brotherhood, by the way, um, you know, and, uh, be, be that person, be the person you tell people you are pay attention to each other, but better both in the firehouse and out. And I would end it with that. Well, thank you, Chief. So how do we, uh, in, in the future, we've got pride and ownership. We've got five alarm leadership. We've got, you know, the podcasts, uh, how do we find, uh, Chief Rick Lasky? How do we, uh, you know, what's coming, what's coming up for you and how do we find you? Uh, we're, well, you know, we're all over the place teaching all the time. And if I'm not teaching, I'm doing labor management stuff or consulting or whatever. Um, I'm easy to find. Uh, uh, I, I'm not big into all the different web. I do the social media because we have to, and I, I do my best with it. But uh, we're on all the social media venues, uh, if you will, or platforms. Uh, uh, websites, chieflasky.com has my phone number on it, has an email address, all that. Um, our schedule of classes that are open to the general fire service population. So if we're in your area, come on over, has the contact information. Um, and that's it. We got, we're already planning for next FDIC. Uh, we got a couple, I got a couple books coming out. Um, I got to finish a bunch of articles I'm behind on, but uh, okay. that's it. That's what, it. We. What are the books? What are the What are the titles of the new uh, ones? Well, the, the the out of the two books, uh, they they first wanted to do a Pride and Ownership Second Edition. I said no. That we, it was written to be one fluid book, not never ending. So the everything that I teach in Pride and Ownership and some other stuff now that's not an original book, which people want to hear, is in a book titled The North American Fire Service still making house calls. That's the, that's the book. And I'm almost done with that. Um, the other book is based on a private sector class I do. It's called Value Today, I Want My Seconds Back. And the whole point of the book is they're not minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, or years. They're seconds you give up being angry, vengeful, pissed off, whatever. Um, unload the rocks. Life's too short. You never know how the day's going to end. Uh, don't wish yourself through this job. It's the greatest job in the world. Don't be in such a hurry. Uh, you know, learn to let go of some things. Uh, again, life's too short. And uh, it's just that it's called value today. I want, cause there's seconds. I want my seconds back. Yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, chief. Um, again, chief, thank you so much for uh, sharing your leadership message today. The, the success of this podcast goes to all of our guest speakers that are willing to come on the show, share philosophy, share a message. Uh, to our listeners and because of it uh, the fire service is is better because of it so thank you and thank you everybody for tuning in today to the kitchen table we truly hope that you found this time valuable we hope that we've inspired you to take action to lead and to spread the leadership conversation until next time be safe be intentional and stay curious